We are I. All right, everybody, again, another edition here of We Are I, and this is a continuation of our next generation We Are I figure. So we're sitting down here with Tristan Corneal. She's 25. She's a semi-pro soccer player in Europe and Canada. Uh, she has two siblings that are also heavy into sports because she also has parents that are very big into sports and very athletic themselves. Um, I've actually known Tristan for 10 years because I know her entire family. Um, I first started training her mom 10 years ago, uh, trained her dad in the past, and all three of the of the siblings off and on have trained them throughout those 10 years as well. Um, absolutely amazing family. And Tristan has a great story to tell because not only does it cover, you know, like really recently, like what's going on in her athletic career because she's still traveling around the world um, in her soccer playing, but she's also sustained some injuries along the way, which we'll get into in kind of the battles that have been fought because of that. So uh, welcome to We Are I, Tristan. Why, thank you for having me. No problem. Um, you know, I guess I kind of, I wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, like what we were just talking about, because I find it to be kind of interesting, you know, the difference between, you know, males and females, same age, you know, same sports or even kind of relatively same level, you know, but how just getting the recognition publicly, you know, and how interesting that is that that all these young guys that, you know, may not even be playing as high level as what you guys are, but get more recognition um, in the social media world than what you guys do as females. Yeah, I think it comes down to funding because they have all the funding for the clubs. Everyone's willing to back all of the male players. They have a new CPL league going in Canada for the men's side, not the female side. That means that they all get paid to be on the team and they also help coach when they're there, whereas all the female players, especially in Europe, they all still have second jobs. So, and that's actually their primary job. Soccer is their second, whereas in Europe, the men, that's their primary job is soccer, and then they don't do anything else other than that. Yeah, um, and we were just talking about these blue check marks on, on Instagram, and, you know, like, I didn't really know too much about that. Maybe you could explain to everybody, you know, that, you know, is maybe more in my demographic or people just don't understand in general what that, that means exactly. So basically a blue check mark next to your name on Instagram means you are certified, which means you are a person that people um, look up to as an actor, actress, a major sports player, an entrepreneur, someone that has been certified by Instagram to be someone famous in their eyes. And that means that all of the national team players for any uh, level are always on there. And then anyone who's playing professionally, especially a lot of my friends who played for Calgary for the boys side, they all had them because they've played national team as well as they are playing CPL. And then I don't think any of my friends that are um, on the women's side have any of those blue check marks, even though they have had caps with Team Canada and they just they don't get certified because they're not at the same level in comparison to what the boys are at. But relatively still are, though. Yes, 100 percent. They are. They yeah, just, like I just find the that same. I don't know. People just don't look at it the same way. See, you know, it's, it's still so interesting that those things in today's world, especially on social platforms, that those inequalities still exist. Yes, no, for sure. I 
There was one girl on our team for Calgary. I played there this past uh, summer. I was just training with them. I didn't play in games. But Stephanie Labe, who's the goalie for the national team, she is certified because she's been playing for the national team for about 10 years. But other than that, we had, like, I don't understand why they won't certify other players. But, and I don't know if it's necessarily the fact that the boys want to be certified, so then they keep pursuing it, whereas the girls are a bit more laid Modest. back and yeah they don't really care that much so that could be a factor as well I'm not 100% sure yeah and that's what I was just going to ask you too like is it something that you care about or you know do you say you don't care but there's that little bit of itch inside you that just is like I wish I had this blue check mark just because you guys spend so much time and effort and energy you know trying to perfect your game you know to be able to be at the level that you're at and that's that's kind of half the fun behind it is getting this recognition like that I think that makes it so that in my eyes, because I've never been big on social media, it makes it so it's not as big of a deal when I think I maybe would appreciate if it was a bigger deal, but I know I have some good friends that they would love that. That would be the be all and end all if they could be certified, like they just love all of the media and everything like that. Whereas I think that would make it feel more real. Whereas right now I just kind of feel like I'm playing soccer and it's pretty cool to talk about people, but at the same time, like, oh, it's not the same as the boys. They're all certified, they get paid big bucks there it every day and they broadcast it everywhere mm-hmm. so I think that's a big difference well and you know and, and it, like you said it comes down to more of like a personal question like what those things mean to the individual as well but yeah you know, I think like looking at outside of just you more collectively as like a whole if there's a few people and or a few women on your team there's obviously going to be like a few on every single team and if it if these guys are kind of organically getting it just because they're at the same level then it should be something I, I just I really don't understand why but those are the things yeah. that still kind of exist and need to be you know brought out of the woodworks right yeah for sure yeah, yeah. Um, how come you've never been big into social media being 25 is kind of like you're you're ripe right into that well, as you have met my mom, mm-hmm. um, I was not allowed social media growing up, and I was one of those rule followers who, if my mom said I was not allowed to do something, I did not do it, and that made it so I, I think I got Instagram and Snapchat when I was maybe 21, 20, one of my best friends, she was like, okay, let's do it, let's finally get you this, and my parents couldn't say I couldn't have it anymore, I was 21, um, but then, yeah, I, so I've never been big on that. And even Facebook, I recently got that when I went to Europe the first time so that my parents could keep tabs on me for the most part. So even then it was for them when they had said I couldn't have it previously anyways. Well, and then but, people like me trying to reach out to you on Facebook, I'm like, Tristan, I mean, like text you like five times. How can you not getting back to me? It's like, well, it's Facebook Messenger, but like, come on. No, I literally just don't even check any of those, um, platforms just because I, I will go on them every once in a while and when, it's funny because when I'm in Europe I check them more often but that's because I'm by myself for the most part was when I'm home I have all my time taken up so then I don't really have any free time to look through those kind of things whereas I'd rather spend it with my friends or outside or playing soccer so you know which like that's kind of like really the wholesome part I think of how a lot of social media started you know if you're away or disconnected from your social network it's a way to be able to keep in contact but not to replace your social network while you're still around them oh for sure and that was one of the big things too that we did in school um was looking at the fact that People can't even keep a conversation with anyone because they don't know what to do without their social media platforms. And that was why I really do appreciate the fact that my parents didn't let me have it because I can still carry a conversation. I'd rather talk to someone than even texting. Like I would rather just be like, hey, I'll call you in 10 minutes. Let's sort out all of this because I don't really want to go back and forth for seven hours to decide what's happening for tomorrow. Well, that is the miscommunication. Like I was just texting with somebody else 
um, you know, she's 37. You know, like this morning, it was like something super simple. It was um, just like about what we were doing today. And, um, you know, she was down at the lake, you know, like with her kids and I was horseback riding with mine. And um, I'm like, oh, I'm super jealous. And then she was like, is that sarcastic? You know, she's like, I can't tell because it's through text. And it's like, but now we need that clarification, right? And like, oh, that is sure. the problem with those kind of things that which you do get from a real conversation is you don't have to go through any of that emotional response or that miscommunication or like the anything that stems from it too, right? Which is also like a byproduct of social media. Those things happen all the time. Oh, 100%. I even know getting in trouble for, I don't want to have to put ahaha or LOL in every single message for you to know that I am okay. I am perfectly fine. I just, if I'm going to say, yeah, I'm okay. And then as opposed to, haha, yeah, that's totally funny. Then people are like, oh, she's okay if she's saying this way. But if she's saying it just like two words, she must be upset. Yeah. I'm not upset. I'm just quickly answering your message that I would have said in person. You know, and that actually is funny because a few situations that come up to me recently were um, I've got back to that corner as well where um, I didn't use some emojis with yes. some people a few times. And they're like, Blake, you always use emojis. And you just kind of like, you just text me like a sentence or two, like, is everything okay? And I'm like, well, I'm like, now am I forever obligated to use like, like after each sentence, put like an icon that matches like how I feel about that sentence. Um, but then also too, like giving too short of answers. Yes. You know, it's like, well, you know, like Blake, you're giving like one word or two word answers. And you know, like you should be expanding upon like your communication with people. And I'm like, well, when, like, what is the standard amount of like verbal, you know, like words coming out of my mouth that then it becomes okay. If somebody's like, you know, I want something to eat and I say, okay, can the conversation just end there? Or do I say, okay, you know, like, would you like something else with that? Or like, you know, where does yeah. that start and stop? Right. So oh, for sure. it's interesting, interesting the world that we live in. So, um, let's kind of get a little bit into, uh, to athletics, you know, like yeah. obviously I know, um, both of your parents, but everybody else doesn't and maybe and just kind of describe them, you know, like their past, what you know about their athletic mm -hmm. history and everything. So people have an idea maybe why you got started in athletics yourself. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I'll say what I know. I don't know if I have made up some things in my head because of uh, what I thought the whole time, but I'll say what I think. Don't we and all then, do that, right? Human memory is horrible. Yeah. Um, so both my parents played volleyball uh, throughout university and uh, their high school careers. I know they played a little bit of uh, soccer, hockey, basketball, like not all three for both of them, but they did that. And then volleyball was their main sport. They met playing volleyball as well, so I think that was a big thing for their relationship. And then I know that they were probably going to be heading towards being able to play professionally. They both were good enough from what I understand. And then a little surprise happened, myself. So they did not get to pursue that side of their dreams. But from what my mom has said, it is a blessing and blah, blah, blah. So she has <laughs> loved it every minute. Um, and she had said, though, she was getting towards the end where, because it was crazy back in the day. I think that my schedule is crazy. The fact that we play every day, um, Monday to Friday, and then games Friday, Saturday, whereas they were playing two or three times a day, having videotape lessons and doing all of that with their team. So they were probably putting in about four and a half to six hours a day of volleyball. And so she had said towards the end, she was trying to schedule class time in that because she's like, I don't want to go all the time. Like they're burning me out. And so I know that that was a bit crazy and hectic for them at the end. Um, but yeah, so the Corneal name is quite the volleyball name in BC. And my mom is one of the uh, very respected coach, a very highly respected coach. 
And my dad does not coach any like at all. I think he would maybe help out a bit had my brother not had all of these uh, university coaches, whereas he's got the Trinity uh, men's coach coaching his youth team. So you can't really get any better than that. But he never really, my dad never really pursued the rest of volleyball. Um, And then he plays hockey on the side, he plays baseball. So very athletic family. I for sure felt not any pressure from outside factors, it's completely intrinsic, but I was like, oh, I need to play volleyball because that's what my parents both played. And then, so I did that and I loved it. Volleyball is amazing, but I don't have the height that my dad has. My mom does not have the height either, but back in the day, you didn't need it. You could get away with it. And your brother got all those cheese. My brother got everything. (laughs) He got to be a male. He got to be, (laughs) so he's going to have the world at his fingertips because he is six, seven almost and going to thrive. But um, whereas my sister and I are both about five, eight, just under five, nine. Um, for her and then I needed to see what my other options were if I didn't have the height for volleyball because for me my goal I wanted to play post-secondary but I also wanted to play past that and I knew that the better option for me would be soccer. So when did when did that start when did you make the bridge between you know starting to think about like hey volleyball might not be my thing or like even if I want to play it I just don't have the height and you know making the transfer into other sports. Honestly, a big part when that happened was it was U15, so I would have been 14 turning 15, and then a lot of the coaches were from Trinity that I was playing for, Fraser Valley Volleyball Club, and they were all very excited to see they thought I had a lot of potential and were ready, and I just, the moment that they kind of chatted with me and were like, hey, we see all this potential for you, and I was like, I don't really see it. And it wasn't that I didn't believe myself, I did. I just, I was like, you know what, I don't know if this is what I want to do. And then soccer, my team was taking off in that. We had just won provincials twice in a row. And then I was like, you know what, I think I like this a lot better. Um, And I love volleyball, so to say that I like soccer more, that was a big deal. And then do you think that when it comes to, you know, especially, you know, like youth athletes that if if you just have athletics in your genes, like as soon as you step into another sport, like people just kind of feel that like they get that energy. They feel that drive in you. They, they know you can understand and see the game. And oh, for sure. I think a coach's dream is to have an athletic player like you can do anything you want with an athletic player. I love when I train one on one with athletic people because I can teach you all the skill you need. I just I can't teach you to drive. That is something that you need to have in you. And if you typically come up from a uh, intense or competitive background, you're going to have all of those traits, which is nice. And so I think that really pushed me because no matter what it is, school, soccer, sports, anything, I want to be number one. I'm not going to be number three or participant. Unfortunately, that's not my personality. Um, so so. You, don't, you don't believe in the whole participation ribbons and T-shirts <laughs> for everybody? Hey, uh, dad will always say it best. Uh, when my sister brought home, I think it was a third, my sister or I, one of us brought home a third place ribbon from cross country and he was like, oh, you're the second loser? And we're like, we won't do that ever again. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> it's okay. It's our fifth sport, but it's okay. We'll yeah. make sure we're better at that. Yeah. Um, but it always came from a place of love, but it was good because it literally pushed us to be where we are now. So mm. it was for sure a good driving force. And yeah, I... There's a lot of you know value in that because it, it takes 
a lot of unwanted hours, you know, in gyms and with players on teams you may not want to play with. And it really helps, you know, mold your personality, you know, like in that moment. But, you know, I'm sure that you could just list example after example of example of all these times that kind of helped get you to where you are at sitting in this chair right now today. Oh, for sure. Yeah. No, I, every, it's great because you make all these friends. You also, you see what your limits are because you have to deal with people that you don't necessarily like and you have to find a way to succeed because if you can't, then you're going to lose, which is a big thing. So that was always uh, good, especially in university. You see that a lot more because you are all coming from different pools of uh, player, like different pools of players. And then everyone was a superstar on their team. So now you're putting every superstar from other teams onto one team and there can only be 11 and you had, you now have a team of 26. So that's a big deal because everyone is expecting to play or expecting to get what they want when you can't have it that way. So you find out who is really willing to be a team member or who's going to push each other to do better or who's going to try and bring other people down. And so, Which is funny because you always see that, especially at professional level sports where like a team tries to stack a team with all-star players and yeah. rarely does that ever work out. No, because you, you like I, that was a big reason why I picked UFE was because I wanted a team where you're going to probably be bringing in quite a few players that they're not necessarily the star athletes from their team because they're going to probably go to UBC or Trinity, but you're going to have the people that want to work hard to win. And so you typically will find a common goal with them because they're willing to do anything. And that meant, like, one of my best friends, she was the least skilled player, probably, uh, in our first year. But she was one of the hardest working, like, best um, personalities, most driven players. And she turned out to be an all-star in her third year because she literally, you can, like I said, you can teach technique. You can't teach drive or strength, anything like that. You need to, like, and strength not as a, um, not physically, but mentally. Like, you, that, you want to... Like you need to already have some of that and then you can help mold it. But yeah, and I know a few youth athletes that picked where they went uh, based on like a team average assists and player assists because then they, they knew at that point in time, like that was a team built around like, like unity, right? Okay. You know, yeah. it wasn't just like an individual person. Like if they emphasize, you know, like, you know, took pride in, you know, having like a high assists to assist statistics that's yeah. harder to say than I thought it was or you know they have like a lot of players on the team where like that's a big part of who they are as a player like you know a couple of these guys are like I know that now like this is something where I'm going to succeed because I want to be in that environment where everybody's just looking to be able to work together oh for to sure succeed and then just be the individual on the team yeah that's awesome That'd be a really good team environment to go into. Yeah, it's, it's an yeah. interesting way to look at it. And that's one of the things I love about having, like, you know, these, you know, style interviews is you learn those things. And I was like, man, I've never thought of it like that yeah. before. Yeah, no, for sure. And it makes a lot of sense, though, yeah. right? Yeah, no, yeah. it's awesome. Yeah. So, you know, when you made the bridge into, like, you know, this is going to be soccer only, like, what was it after that? Like, was it, like, both feet all in? Or did you kind of waver back and forth? Honestly, yeah. So I – okay, so how I said, I made it around U15 because that was when I had started – getting quite a bit of attention for volleyball. And then I just was like, I don't really think this is where I want to be. I actually previously, two years before that, wanted to quit soccer because I was playing for the highest level you could play at when I was in soccer until I was U18 was Metro. So that was, whereas now they have the HPL program, but we didn't have a Metro team for our club. And then I just wasn't having the best time because I wasn't around players that were necessarily the most skilled. And I myself wasn't as skilled because I, I didn't get the proper coaching, whereas I was just very athletic and could run around. Whereas the athletic director of the program came to my parents and was like, hey, 
like we need you to take her elsewhere. And so that was like really a very positive experience for myself because to have the athletic director come and be like, hey, we love having you for this club, but you don't belong here. That was like awesome. Cause you Do you remember it. what that felt like? Like what, um, what was the emotions around that? It was more, so they more went to my mom and said it. And so I didn't really get to hear most of anything that was going on because they would all chat and then they would come to me and be like, Hey, like, why don't we go do these chats? I'm like, I'm okay. Thanks. <laughs> I like my team. I'm yeah. fine. I like, no, like, why don't we go like, see what else is out there? Like you want to play Metro and stuff. And like that way we can get you around some better players. And then I remember going to the Metro tryouts for Surrey Pegasus. That's the team I played for. And the, even just looking around and seeing the caliber and the moment, you know, that you have been put on the team that is, like one of the teams that are going to be picked because they basically they number you off and split you up and then I think it ended up being that there were six players uh six players to a team and there were going to be three teams that were picked of those six so then they would keep uh, moving players around to make sure you all fit and then the moment I knew I was with half a team BC on my team I was like well this is fun like I think I'm going to get picked for this metro team that's awesome yeah so and then that's what happened at U13 and then I I don't think I wavered from U15 on. I because my U13 like we won provincials every year from U13 to U18. I went to nationals once, and so I just there did was it all, always mean the same like year after year, it, or it just become like expected, or like this is just how we roll. Like you know, honestly, start of the season, you just knew that was what was going to happen. For the most part, it was expected, but you still knew that there was a chance that it might not pan out because there were still like obviously all the other teams were quite good. There was the top. Uh, top five I think that were very uh, well known and could have won but we just we were on a roll and we were the most consistent we also had I was the there's two players myself and our goalie out of the 11 that were not on team BC the rest of our nine were throughout the team BC program in and out a couple of them did weren't on it all the time but we were quite stacked for the most part and everyone worked well together no one really cared if they got the goals or like how you had said about assists we didn't keep track of that but in the sense of no one cared who really had the most goals it was just like hey we won this game by this much so however we needed to win we did it and then to answer your question about if I continued to falter if I put two feet in I stayed a multi-sport athlete until I was 18 and I was quite proud of that because I still that was a big thing is I didn't want to have to give up any sport and I played Anything you can think of, like badminton, cross-country, track and field, basketball, volleyball, soccer, any sport that was basically available at school. My One of my best friends at, in high school, Christina, we would play everything. And so it was fun. We won provincial, not provincial, sorry, uh, Surrey's for badminton. And so it was experiences that you can't get now because all the HPL programs have you doing soccer three or four times a week and you're not allowed to play other sports. Yeah, I was just so. going to say because, you know, like you're discouraged from that I, now, 100%. right? So, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's great that you were on the cusp of that and allowed that opportunity. But like, how did you manage it all? Because it seems like the demand and then school on top of that, you know, did you feel like you're um, like socially, like what, what suffered? Did anything suffer? Did it feel like things were getting pushed to the side? It honestly didn't feel like anything necessarily got pushed to the side. The nice thing for me is that, once again, back to my parents, how I was so much a yes kid that if they told me to do something, I wouldn't do it or I would do whatever they told me. My parents were big on, they obviously, they didn't want me drinking. They didn't want me doing any of those kind of reckless 
things in high school. And so the moment they said any of that was a no go, I was like, yeah, no, for sure. I won't do that. I don't want to risk my sporting career. Like I like sports too much. So I basically would go to school and then we had, sometimes we'd have tournaments or anything for volleyball or soccer and we'd have to leave at lunch. And then I'd play sports from basically lunch or after school until 10 PM every day. And then I'd hang out with my sport friends. And so I was always surrounded by friends. So then at the same time, it was still social because I was going from one sport to the other, but still with all my friends all the time. And then I was so busy on weekends as well that I remember one time, this is, this is one of the times where I felt like a superstar <laughs> because, um, it was a U 18 or U uh, maybe U 16, 17 or 18. I don't remember, but it was, um, I had a super series volleyball tournament and then I had a, uh, semifinal soccer game. It might've been U 16. It was to go to nationals actually, I think. And so my coach wanted to, uh, Jenny Robinson, I don't know if you know her, one of my mom's friends. Yep. Um, she, we had, she was our coach for volleyball. So they flew me, we all went to Kelowna to play the Super Series. And then they flew me back early so I could go to the soccer game. That was the only way I was allowed to go. But the club had to fly me back for the game. So then that was when I was like, yeah, I made it in soccer at U, whatever, 17. <laughs> so yeah. They just flew me back for the semifinal provincial game. That's awesome. Yeah. So. See, in, in his moments like that, that you'll never forget. No. I love yeah. that. Yeah. You know, and I, I really like to understand, you know, it's probably something that you, you may understand now, you might not, or you may never in your whole life, but just really knowing what makes you different for valuing how your parents raised you versus all the kids who may have resented that. You know, because that's huge because I, I very much look at it the same way as you and I want to raise my kids the same way because I think your parents are absolutely amazing. They've done a great job with the three of you guys. Yeah. And, um, you know, just who they are as people and how determined they still are in their athletics because you don't really cover it, you know, per se, like at the beginning, you know, but your mom obviously is a really high level, you know, volleyball coach oh, now. Oh, sure, yes. You know, and invests a ton of her time and a ton of her yeah. energy, you know, traveling all over and just produces amazing athletes and amazing teams. Yeah. And, you know, still just living it. And I love that where there's still that opportunity for, you know, children now to grow up and become young adults and not resent growing up in that kind of environment. Yeah, I, I'm always torn because I don't know if it – necessary like I feel like it's half and half um it's half the fact that I didn't care to be like it was fine that they told me that I was allowed to do certain things and that they wanted me to do um and go a certain route and I was like yeah sure I'll do it I'll do as best my ability and then go from there but then I know that there are kids that would have been like what the heck I want to completely rebel and do the opposite whereas I think because I was so driven and well am so driven that I already was wanting to succeed so to have them just backing me that was what I needed and I and was like, lot, disagree yeah and a lot too you know like getting the results too you know where I think that if children like weren't getting the results that you did it'd been easier for them to rebel yeah oh for sure yeah because even and this is in no way rebelling but to me rebelling was my sister telling my parents that uh we if they would say to even unload the dishwasher or something, she would say, yeah, one minute. It's like, Claudia, you can't say that. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> you can do it right now and then let's go. Yeah. So that like, and that's just where my mind was at. And even cause that was Claudia's version of rebelling. So that it was nothing. <laughs> so that was to us, that was like a big deal. So I can't even comprehend how we, like if we actually started to rebel, I don't even know what we would have done. <laughs> 
Well, you know, and that is just that you didn't even feel the need to or the want to or mm-hmm. that like you felt like you were missing, you know, anything because, you know, I feel like if, if you know, like children are taught to look at it the right way or value the right things sure. that, you know, I found when I played sports, there was no part of a social environment that I missed out on or even like downtime because, you know, like when we would be done to say like, like the last major sport that I played, you know, playing football, like, you know, yeah. after practice, you know, like we sit down, like there'd be, you know, girls who just finished playing soccer or the track or, you know, like any of these things. Like we just kind of like all hang out in the field, like where you had social time, you had downtime, like, yeah, your practices were long and you had like two days with games and like multi-sport and all that kind of stuff. But there's enough downtime in between things where like you kind of get a little bit of it all. Yeah. And, you know, I find that, you know, when, when parents haven't played like a sport or really invested a lot of time in athletics, they don't understand things like that. And, you know, maybe I can throw this question at you too, because a few of the other youth athletes that we had on just, you know, like a few days ago, I said, because there's so many kids growing up now who aren't athletic and who are going to be having children, but know nothing about the value of athletics. Like, what do you think of that? I think it makes it very hard for coaching. Um, because we experienced that, well, even like my boyfriend experiences that throughout his coaching program, I've seen it as well. And it just makes it more difficult because they don't understand, like the parents themselves don't understand when you're genuinely just trying to help their child with something and you'll say, Hey, like we need them to try and do this. So like, Oh, but that's your fault. Like, no, like, cause that's even, cause he's a te- my boyfriend's a teacher as well. And parents nowadays are willing to blame anyone around them except for their child and I feel like that's going to be a big problem for everyone because now we're getting into that where it could be such an easy thing if you just got like the parent knows that we're not trying to um, make fun of their kid or do anything in a negative way for them and so it'll be as simple as teaching them how to do a drill and if the child is not doing it properly I'll be like hey you just want to work on this whereas some parents will be like oh well no the drill needs to be changed like, no, the drill does not need to be changed. He literally just needs to move to the left instead of the right, and he'll figure it out. But like, no, 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 like he wants to do it to the right, to the left. Okay, but <laughs> that's not what we're trying to get here. And you haven't played a sport, so you don't know what you're talking about because that is not going to help them get any better. So I think that's also going to make the participation medals. And as much as we know I love those, um, those are going to be a way bigger thing now. So See, And I find it like a lot of the things too that, you know, like looking back on it that, I value now didn't really fully understand then but I definitely know that people have no association with now like where you're like an angry coach would just get upset at you because like you missed this player like you just wouldn't get in practice but like now I'm like because it just meant so much to them it wasn't necessarily that they were being an asshole oh for sure you know it's just but like they're just like come on like I know you have this in you I know you can get this like this is there the skill is there just you know like find it and tap into it you know or you know like the being so begged you know it'd be like sleeping underneath the the bench in the locker room just because you want to get some sleep or on the bus you know when you're going somewhere yeah. or just all those things I look back and they're just such great experiences now and you know because I've trained so many youth athletes and teams over the years that I've gotten you know so much criticism you know training two people too hard or kids too hard like you're pushing them too hard you know like my child is crying and I'm like you know but when your child is crying and you know, because they're pushing themselves so hard, but they want to keep on doing that. Like, why don't you see the value in that? I'm like, I remember 100%. being that child. Yes. You know, but if you've never been that child, like you don't understand, like we're just means so much to you. Like all that emotion is coming out of you, but like, that's really what helps bring that 
beast or that warrior outside of you, oh, like in sure. your athletics is tapping into like the, I am just, I'm dying on every front, but I have a little bit more. Yeah. And then when you get into your game and you know, like you actually really use that now, like it just, that's what propels everybody so much further down the road. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. And I feel like that was also, I was watching a Ted talk and they were just saying how parents now are enabling their children because they, especially with the fact that we have social media as well, because you can have everything at your fingertips, you want it now. And when you don't get it now, you are upset and you cry about it and someone will fix it for you. Whereas they're not learning how to deal or overcome any of that adversity. They don't know what to do if they don't, if they really wanted a goal and they wanted to, and they don't score that goal, if they really wanted to get a certain weight for their reps or whatever, and they're not hitting it, they just, they don't know what to do with not getting what they want. And I feel like that's gonna be a big problem because these parents are just trying to give their kids everything they want, which is fine, but they don't know how to go about it necessarily. Yeah, you know, like that adversity is, <coughs> sorry, is so is so big to be able to learn, you know, like really like who we are. Oh, 100%. Right? You know, like, yes. And there's not a lot of other moments in life. When I was young, like obviously as, as an adult, it's a little bit different. But you know, like when I was young, there wasn't a whole lot of any other areas to get adversity. No. You know, if you look at, you know, by the time you're 25 and, you know, your frontal cortex is completely developed by that point in time and everything else before that is a learning experience to who you're going to be kind of for the rest of your life. Yeah. You know, like you need to go through adversity. You need to go through those ups and downs. And I really feel like that sports is the only thing that loops all those things around. You know, like playing with players you don't want to play with, being on a team you don't want to be on, you know, like winning, losing, you know, holding a medal, you know, like wanting it and not getting it, you know, like going through years of drought and then all of a sudden years of success and all those kind of things. Um, Did you have any coaches that just pushed you really hard when you were young that you you look back and you value now or, you know, just things that, you know, when you were young, you're like, oh, I can't believe that, you know, this, you know, coach was doing this, but like now I get it or. I personally never, because of how I said for soccer, I was always on a team for my youth career, like that we were, we had all the national, uh, sorry, not national, the provincial team players. So our coach was great and but he didn't really have to do too much of the pushing because we already were pushing ourselves whereas I do know my sister's coach I remember hearing about him listening to him because I think that was where the connection came in because he was very um diligent and even a sense of like the girls weren't allowed to wear pants to practice they had to wear their shorts shirts and like socks they had to be in their game gear basically but it was practicing to be cold. And he's like, no, you have to train like this because it's how we're going to play. And just like little things like that, I understand. But I, it was crazy to me to even hear that from Claudia because she was just like, no, I like, we're not allowed to wear that. We can't wear our earrings, like nothing. And I was like, well, that's a little bit crazy. But hey, if that's going to help you guys win. And it was funny because that team had, I think, they might have had maybe 12 or 13 players. So they had one or two subs. And then but I'm pretty sure from what I remember is that they made it all the way to the finals of provincials. So they, like he had that team on lockdown. They did very intense drills. I remember he would be screaming and yelling the entire time on the field, but I know she always looks back on that experience and is like, yeah, like he, it was crazy. And we didn't know what was going on halftime because he was just yelling, but it really helped us and pushed us to be better because we didn't know we could do that. Especially with that limited amount of people, we could have either just thrown in the towel and been like, oh, our team sucks. We're not going to be able to make it but then they made it because they all made the best of it. So, and I think you trained that team too. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. yeah. So but yeah. <laughs> I remember those days. Remember? Yeah. I remember those days. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I kind of, yeah. Like that was, yeah, that was 
10 years ago. That's oh. kind of like when I first met Elliot. Yes, right? exactly. So, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that was, I could not believe that because I never had had a coach like that or I, well, to this day, I've never had a coach like that. So I couldn't even understand the, the clothing thing that still throws me off to this day because I'm that person in pants and a jacket at all times until it's game time. <laughs> well, and you know, it's just like those, there, there's a lot of, you know, sides that, you know, like the psychological training, you know, like where like there is no chance, there is no difference where like you're just, you're so ready, you've been primed for that moment. So yeah. no matter what it throws at you, like you've, you've been there, like, yeah, like the cold on your skin, you know, like the, like the wet clothes, you know, like the, like all that stuff. Yeah. Like you just, you don't have to think about it. It's not there because you've, you've done it all so much already. Yeah. So, you know, up until you graduated from high school, any injuries? In high school, um, I think my biggest injuries were that I popped off my um, kneecap a few times uh, from diving and volleyball. And then I... What does that feel like? It doesn't feel great. Um, It feels very uncomfortable in the sense of... Because you feel it come off and... I remember all three times that it happened in uh, when I was in youth, it didn't stay dislocated, so it just it's a subluxation, and so it popped off to the side and then would come back on, but it just made it so that my like I can move my kneecap everywhere, <laughs> so it's a weird feeling. It was super sharp in the moment, and then you just it swells uh, pretty pretty quick there, and then so yeah, so that was my knee injuries uh, for high school, and then I. Also rolled my ankle consistently. Um, I would go, it would be, once again, volleyball really set me up for some good injuries. Um, I would be up at the net and I remember a couple times a girl came under and I landed. And so I would, I rolled over on my ankle a couple times and that started uh, the ankle injuries that, and I think one happened in soccer. So once you do one, you're kind of hooped for the most part. So the waterfall effect, right? Yeah, Down literally. Start to tilt. Exactly. So yeah, that was those are my injuries in high school. Yeah, ankles and couple uh, kneecap. So what was it? What what happened after high school? Like we kind of covered all the a lot of the ground to be able to get you to high school. Like what happened after that? So after high school, I decided to go to University of Fraser Valley, and then I played on the soccer team there with. I met two of my best friends and that was a great experience. I also met my boyfriend and I did my bachelor's of kinesiology there and then we did soccer. I did all, I was able to do my full five years um, consistently. I didn't experience any injuries, major injuries um, that required me to take any time off. I always took off time in the off season. I typically was rehabbing from the moment that season ended until basically preseason. Um, I experienced a lot more injuries there, uh, just because you're worked so much harder and it's consistently every day. Whereas I was used to playing every sport all the time. So I was working all these different muscles throughout youth. Whereas, uh, once you hit university, you're doing six days a week of the exact same thing over and over again, which is a bit draining. And then it's just, it's a lot of overuse on the body. And getting, you know, going through the kin program too, then you kind of start to yeah, recognize seriously. these things. And so you're just like, no, I can't be doing this no. to my body. But then you walk out and you're just like, come on, give me some more. Yes, exactly. And so that was, it was good. It, we, my team was not necessarily the best. We on we had so much potential. We just, we could never pull through in playoffs. We always came in the top of the league. We would come, I think the lowest we came was third. And then we typically came second. Um, but we just, uh, one year we got to go to nationals, which was a lot of fun and 
doesn't happen often unless you're at one of the like, unless you're at Trinity they typically go every year um, but so that was a good experience and then yeah we just kind of choked in fourth and fifth year so it was rough why, why do you think that is like do you like same players just lost a little bit of steam or like different coaching like can you identify what that might have been honestly I no I keep thinking about it and we had I think we had 11 ACL tears and so surgeries within my four or five years there so we lost a lot of girls to injury and that seemed to be a common theme we would have we'd be looking like we were going to have an outstanding team and then all of a sudden we'd lose two or three pieces and it was typically in the midfield and for people that don't know soccer that well that is a big deal like to lose you're losing your core which is not ideal um so and that happened every year we would be we would have been training um getting ready for preseason and we'd be going into season and then that would happen and i that happened every every single year i was there actually uh we lost at least two or three players to knees and then one year even in my last year i think it was we had worked the entire time playing a three back for defense that's having the two on the outside and one in the middle i was in the middle and then my and that's a pretty hard defense to work with and so we had to train it and learn how to work with it and our right back right before we started getting ready to back go to school um she wasn't eligible so we just trained for about nine months to play with this back three and we now no longer have her we don't have and our midfielder as well she wasn't able to play because she did her acl she was coming back late in the season so we just never could connect all the pieces and I feel like that was a big thing for us just because it wasn't, it'd be one thing if you're losing them like post season and then you had to make do, but it was right before season every single time. So then we just, we'd have to do a full learning curve and the season is so short that you don't have enough time to rebuild everything. You just have to make do. So. And like why kind of knowing what you know now, you know, about like injury prevention, you know, like training you know, with like going through the kinesiology program, like. Do you, do you identify like why there were so many ACL injuries and why like can you can you point out areas where they could have improved the program there to prevent that or was it just par for the course it was inevitable nothing could be done about it um a big quote being thrown around right now is it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when Absolutely. for female athletes um my big thing is so one of my uh, friends we did our we did a thesis project basically and it we looked at ACL tears for female athletes and a big problem is, is that the youth coaches don't implement any of these and that's when all the girls are most susceptible and they need to learn how to prop like use their bodies correctly because we're trying to mimic men's sports so we're for the time that we start kicking a ball around until now we are trying to do everything that the boys are doing but we don't have the same skeletons we don't have the same bodies so we're just trying it's to not even the same hips no, like that literally that's the big that part about it right 100 i think anybody who knows anything anatomically about the body just the hip structure between you know men and women being yes. so much difference that's the vital key behind it all exactly and so we're trying to do all these things that they're doing, but we actually cannot. So instead of being taught how to do it another way, they're just saying, okay, go for it. And then we'll just hope you don't get hurt at any point. So I think a big thing, obviously it's not necessarily correct for me to say that once you're in university, it's kind of up in the air, but it still felt that way because you, unless you were going to be working on your, um, 
your plyos and your uh, bounding and everything just to make sure that your jumping was correct and your landing was correct every single day, then you probably were, you at least had a 50% chance, unfortunately. Whereas had they been teaching us that since we were nine, it would, it would have become second nature. And then I feel like the amount of injuries would have been reduced significantly. So, well that, you know, like some of the big things that I see all the time are, um, you know, like sloppy joints, you know, mm-hmm. muscles are just aren't tight enough, not functional enough yeah. to be able to control the joints. So like you're, you're talking about like, you know, really, you know, high value players yeah. that don't have fundamental control over their no. body, you know, but they're being encouraged to lift like, you know, heavy weights or do all yeah. these explosive activities. It's like, well, you can't control your joints. Like this is going to be a huge part of like yes. successful injury prevention is being able to just control this thing that you're moving around all the time. Yeah. But then that where you can't control your joints, but then, you know, your muscles are so tight because, you know, like any of these, you know, children who fall into these categories are rapidly growing. Yeah. You know, that's the reason why you guys all got to high levels. You know, muscles are tight, you know, the stress on the tents and ligaments. It's like all of these factors, which I don't see why now, more people don't pick up on it, even today with knowing what we know about yeah. exercise science. Oh, for sure. Yeah, you know, especially at like a like university level or they said even way before that. Yeah. Well, and even because I know that we did our warm-ups where there were a few uh, prevention warm-ups that we would use. But even then, I think, well, who was it? Um, Steve Carroll, because my mom goes to a few of the coaching, um, the coaching programs that are being held and Steve Carroll from the Seahawks he had said he's like we for a warm-up it's typically about warm up your muscles so it shouldn't be about doing a prevention thing in that moment because you're not you're warming up to get ready to play you should have already been doing that kind of stuff so it should have been done like you should either have maybe a 30 minute session on working on those activities and then you can do practice later because that's not something because I remember even uh, coaches for the U Sport level, they would say, they're like, oh, yeah, well, we're doing warm-ups that are ACL prevention. Like, well, that, are you watching to make sure every single athlete is doing it correctly? Because if not, then they're probably just jumping around to finish this warm-up so they can go play. And you know that that they'd never be able to anyway. No, so even if exactly. they said yes, you'd be like, well, I know you're lying to yes. me already. I mean, as soon as, if the best answer to give there is, I'm trying. Yes, exactly. So... Whereas had you been doing programs that were maybe half an hour every second day and actually being able to look at the athletes and because a big thing too is you can just pair the athletes up and they can teach them how to look at each other because you're, you don't need to make sure every single thing is perfect, but you can at least make sure their knee is not collapsing in and make sure that they're um, keeping it not like not going further than their toe when they're landing, etc. But no one's doing that. So because I even I for sure when I was warming up half the time was just like, okay, let's go. Like, I'm just going to jump around for a quick little minute and then I want to go play. So, you know, and, and even from like a, like a coaching staff level, and I feel like that's the problem with like youth sports. It's like, you know, how many coaches at a U level program are going to understand, you know, proper like thoracic spine engagement to be able to prevent a lot of those yes. things that you just talked about right now, right? And it's like, okay, well, you know, if we're going to allow children to play at such high levels and so aggressively because we want them to play high level sports, we should be adopting more of these things like oh, into it sure. because that's the knowledge they need to have to be able to be successful because how can we critique and criticize them if they don't have those tools, yeah. right? Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. yeah. So after after high school, this is kind of where uh, where the interesting part begins. Like after high school, after UCFB, tell us about that. Okay. This is so, fun stuff. Here we go. Um, so I finished my fifth year and I... 
for sure wanted to continue pursuing soccer. And then I had, thankfully, I had gotten a few awards at UFE, and that was a big deal in quite a few people's eyes just because it's a smaller university, so you typically don't get awards there. And Come on, blow it up. What are they? <laughs> got some first-team All-Star horn. Canada awards. Um, and so, and then we went to nationals, which is a big deal too. So then that helped. And then uh, a couple people reached out and they just said, Hey, we have some opportunities for you. Would you like to pursue these? And I said, of course I would. So then I, one of my connections, he brought me across to Sweden. And so then I met with a few teams and I decided I was going to play there. This was 2017. And then I signed my contract on a Thursday. I had already played four games, and then on the Sunday we were playing, and then I got taken out by another player, and that ruptured my knee. I remember so. seeing those pictures of some of the first games. Yes. They were amazing. Oh, I was, was so proud of you. Yeah, I was so, so pumped, and it was awesome because everything looked like it was set up perfectly. I had met, like, I had talked to John Herdman at the time. Um, he was... We ran into him and I went and I basically, I told him, I was like, hey, like you need to be on your team. Um, how do I go about getting on your team? Because I know I didn't go to any of, they typically only feed players from the national team from uh, the 12 big schools in the States. They don't look at youth sport players. So I told, I went and asked him like, hey, how do I get on your radar? And so he said he was the one that said to go to Sweden. Um, that was why I took that connection. And then, so I was going to do that. I was talking with a team that, like I was already in the talks with teams that were in the high levels and then, yeah, so then everything kind of came crumbling down real quick. Yeah. So, so what happened in that game? Um, so the injury happened. I was on the 18 yard box. I was getting ready to, um, head a ball. It was coming up over my head. So we were all chasing one way and then I was getting ready to head it out. And so I had planted and then was just getting ready to push off. And then a girl just came through and cleaned out my knee. And I remember just, I just sat on the ground and I was like, ow, oh, that kind of, that hurt. Like it didn't feel great. And then, but I just sat there and I was like, okay. And the girl got a yellow card and the rest of the team, they were like, are you okay? Like, what should we do? I was like, you know what? I think I'm okay. So I started to get up, couldn't walk. And then the girls right away, we took me off and they took me to the hospital right away. And then uh, they, within a week and a half, they had me booked for an MRI and my surgery as well. So we went and did the MRI. I didn't have any of the typical symptoms you would get with an ACL. My knee wasn't overly swollen and it wasn't, um, it wasn't bruised. It clearly didn't hurt. I just kind of sat there and was like, oh, this, this sucks. But I didn't really know what was going on. And I was like, oh, I should just be able to shake it off, same as UFE, it, any like any injuries. I was like, oh, I'll make do. But this one for sure felt a little bit different. And then we got the MRI results back, and they just said that the meniscus was uh, torn. And we we're like, great, that's perfect, because if anything, hopefully it is just meniscus. That way I can be ready and back for the second half of the season. And then they went in for surgery. And it's always so funny, like, how we look at things like that. You know, oh, I like how the dressage is like, yes, it's just a tournament. Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> we were at the whole, like, the the club itself was pumped. They were just like, perfect. This is, like, we can you can be in a brace and you can be ready to go for second half season. Um, it'll be great. And I was like, yep, sounds good. And so, and within the MRI, they said the ACL didn't look great, but it didn't look bad. And so we were fine with it. But... Went in for surgery, woke up, and the doctor just said, he was like, hey, 
Um, well, so what happened is you had a bucket handle tear on your meniscus. It means that the it had flipped over and it was covering your ACL. So it made it look like it was still intact. Your ACL is fully ruptured. MCL is a bit hurt. Femur damage to your bone. And I was like, okay. So now we're looking at more of a year and a half kind of ballpark for rehab and that really sucked because what was yeah what was that like waking up like thinking you're just like yeah this is awesome gonna be back for the second half of the season and then getting this news yeah I the moment that they had told me that the ACL wasn't great I had a bit of a feeling I was just like you know I don't this doesn't feel good and uh so it's like I don't know I was like I can't imagine this is just meniscus but I was obviously going to be an optimist and hope that it was that was all it was and because clearly the MRI said that it was okay um, but then I woke up and I, thankfully I had, like, I made one of my good friends there, um, Becca from the team. She was there when I woke up as well, which was really nice. And then, um, we'd also had some family, um, a big family incident happened at home, uh, when I was there. And so that all happened within, like, I found out about my knee and a big family incident within like two hours of each other and then had my surgery. Once again, I'm by myself across the world. So that wasn't the best experience. It for sure was a big building uh, time for myself because I had to either deal. In 23, right? 23, 22? Yeah, 20, yeah, tw- oh, 23, yeah. But I, yeah, because I, January is my birthday. So yeah, 23. Um, so thankfully I did have Becca there. She was great. She uh, came, she was there when I woke up and the, our doctor for our team, he was there as well and he was wonderful. So they, we're all very supportive and they were willing to do whatever I kind of wanted to do if I wanted to try and play without the ACL and just like rehab the meniscus if I wanted to get another surgery there if I wanted to go home it was up to me it was in my hands and so I just kind of went home um, the unfortunate but great thing was that all of my friends had already booked out their trips to come see me so that was a hard thing because I couldn't go home because they'd all already just spent two thousand dollars to come out and see me so now I was for sure in a like I was stuck because I would have rather came home, but at the same time I wanted to go see, like I wanted to see my friends and they were already coming out. So I was like, I can't just say, Hey guys, you just spent $2,000, but I'm not going to be there. Um, so I stayed for an extra, which is also like an interesting layer to the whole situation, right? You know, he have this, this ACL tear, you know, thinking, (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, thinking one thing and then, you know, it goes a different way, family incident, and now you feel the obligation to even stay because your friends are coming to visit yeah. you. Yeah. Oh, for sure. So it was it was crazy. Um, it was really – the team was great, though, in the sense of that I still was with the team all the time, oh, all the time for the most part. And then they – and how I said, like, one of the girls, like, we were all really close, so they'd always come and see me and hang out. And then – um, so the I, team itself is a club. Are they supportive of you through this whole time? Like, yeah. what what was that environment like? Um, so it was all really good. They, I think that was the first time they had experienced one of their peers having a significant injury because I for sure got that vibe. And then it was unfortunate because I was for sure the domino effect. Because then uh, a couple weeks later, one girl tore her ACL, and then another um, girl did her hamstring. So it would just they then they I think once the second one happened though they kind of understood it a bit more just because they they're like oh well like you like we can do our rehab and stuff and because they could see me doing my rehab and they um knew that I was trying to get better and so they're like oh like so you'll be back soon I'm like uh typically like um health wise it's normally about a year and a half but I'm gonna try and be back in six months so we'll see 
Um, but then once they got to hear it all in Swedish from the second girl, like, like telling them kind of what she had heard from the doctors as well. Cause I just told them what I knew, but it's also a second language to them. So they're just kind of like, okay, like sounds good. Yeah. Google uh, translate yeah, legal so far. Exactly. Right? Um, so whereas once the second one happened, then they were kind of like, okay, like this is a serious thing. Um, but they were, they were great. Like they would help me do my rehab if they had for, like spare time. They would also, they still made sure like I was taking care of in the sense that they'd come hang out with me or they'd bring me out places, come pick me up and take me out to whatever. And it was also nice because since my friends were all coming out, I still, I feel like I, that first year I was only alone for maybe like two weeks at a time. Cause I, the way that everyone was alternating on and off that I was always had someone for the most part and then what a great network of friends it, that you have eh? i have one of the best network of friends i yeah they all make sure that everything is always good so um yeah so it ended up turning into a bit more of a traveling trip um because i ended up yeah i just went around with my friends like we went and traveled a bit i do my rehab and then i went on a trip with my friend becca and then i came home and had my second knee surgery because I had to get, I still had to do a bit of the, um, the first doctor sh- uh, shaved off a little bit of, he fixed the femur a little bit because he just had to shave off a little bit and then he fixed the meniscus. And then I had to still, the MCL no one touched because it'll um, heal itself, as long, especially because I'm going through an ACL surgery. So I have enough time. And then I came home and did my ACL surgery in October. I just, I the part that I find really interesting when you're talking about it, because you know, like, this is something, you know, like, when, you know, because obviously, like, I'm just, like, covered in things, like, all the time, you know, from playing sports and just doing different things, and um, when people are just, like, you know, why is it never a big deal? Like, why don't you care? And I always say, you know, like, when, when you're athletic, when you've grown up in athletics and you've just always done it, you just, like, your body is just kind of, like, this tool that you're going to use, and if it's, like, a hammer, it's going to get some nicks and scratches on it. Yeah. Like, it's just, that's the way it is, and I love listening to you talk about it and how it's just it's passive you're like shaved a little off the femur does like it's just kind of that's just it's just business like that that but that's how athletes i find really talk where these things are just inevitable like they're just par for the course and you kind of you know go through it then you talk to a bunch of other athletes who've been through it's like oh bone poking out of skin here bone hamstring there you know torn bicep here like just everybody's been through these things and have their stories to share and we all have come on like the entire opposite side of that, you know, like you just, you play again, you know, you work out again, you're active again. And do you think that, you know, growing up and, you know, playing so many sports with the parents that you have and everything, like going through all that adversity up until that point, it just helped you deal with it that much more because, you know, you're in a foreign country, don't really know the language, which I'm being presumptuous. No, I did not. Yeah, I did know the language, you know, like relatively alone, you know, going through this huge injury, having this thing going at home but it's just like you don't talk about it you know being like well it just crippled me you know like it just it really sidelined me you know I got super depressed or you know like any of these things it just it just kind of is what it was yeah I for sure I think that having been brought up uh, just in a competitive um, athletic background that for sure helped along its way I think also because the fact that I know what my goals are and for the most part, nothing's going to stand in the way. So I was like, okay, you know what? Like, I'll just have to, I have to deal with this and then continue on because I, this isn't the end. So I will sort it out and then make my way. So that was always my mindset. If it sure was 
and because I know like the mental side it was for sure hard like I will not doubt that in any sense but it I just knew I was like you know what I gotta deal and continue on because I can't dwell on it there's no point so gotta move how long did the like the mental emotional challenge how long did that last you? like was it something that you kind of set you back for like a day or like a week or is it something that just initially impacted you and then the shell shock wore off and just kind of was always kind of there but it's really easy to manage I'm one of those people that uh, can compartmentalize very well. So for me, it was, it happened. I pushed it to the side and cause my best friends had, they hate and love that I typically, I'm the logical one and I don't, I don't deal with, I loved helping other people with their problems, but myself, I'm just kind of like, oh no, like I'll deal with it later. But then I just kind of push it to the side and then continue on. So I don't necessarily even let myself feel those feelings because I, have found a way to just continue so well and, and in a lot of situations they don't really help no exactly too, right? that's the so. thing it doesn't it does not help it would not have helped for me to have felt bad for myself and taken on all the emotions that were happening in those moments because so much was going on that i i think that would have been awful i don't know what would have happened if I had actually just kind of been like, okay, this sucks, my life sucks, I don't know what's going on. Yeah, see, and you know, the interesting part that I've learned through my life too is that, you know, when adversity happens, no matter like, you know, how it happens or what it stems from or what the causes anything, that when you take that approach, it seems like far more people who can actually proactively change the situation with you get exposed. You know, but when it's the, oh, woe is me, you know, yeah. you're just like this dark cloud and you're kind of hating on life. You don't really get the same opportunities to persevere through it. Oh, no. You know, but when you take like, okay, like I got this, this sucks, but these are the tools I need to be successful to come out of this. Yeah. Those tools just kind of gravitate towards you. Yeah. I really find that that. Oh, for sure. Because I think the one time that I did think about it a bit is just that I was upset that I... I was upset at the time of when I did it because I would have, and to this day I still, I would have preferred if I'd done it in university because then I still would have had um, that extra year uh, to red shirt for when the injury happened and then I would have got to play one more season with university. Whereas this is, I'm in my soccer career and I have now been hurt so I don't necessarily have a team that I can come back to and rehab with. So, and then that was the one like I remember thinking about that for a couple minutes and I was just like okay it's fine something will come up like something good will happen and typically bad things happen in three so all three things had already happened so I was like you know what <laughs> this will probably be something good will come from this and then that was uh Calgary is that um I came home had my surgery and then uh one of my coaches from Sir United he um because I helped I trained with the women's team and then I also helped coach the program um, so he had reached out and he's just like, Hey, Calgary, the UWS team needs a center back. Or do you think you'll be healthy for them? And I was like, I would hope so. But that was also a bit, I just wanted to play so bad. I now thinking back on it, there's no way I was, well, I was close enough to being healthy, but it was, I came back at six months when I probably should have waited till maybe eight months. Um, but even then the, uh, the coach at Calgary, he was, very encouraging. He was awesome. And he, I got there, I wasn't hundred percent healthy. So he obviously kept me on the team and then I just trained with the team, um, every day. And so that for sure got me into a good, uh, mindset and get, got me prepared and ready so I could go back to Sweden. So then I went back in July of 2018. 
See, and I know that from even like going to Sweden and the injuries or the injury that you sustained, you know, I whenever I talked to your mom, she had a really hard time. I'm sure you know when you were first talking about leaving in the first place. Yeah. You know, and then everything after that, you know, when it came to like moving or injury or <coughs> sorry, even <coughs> going to Calgary, it was always she had this totally different approach, you know, like you're old enough now, you're an adult, you're gonna make a decision on your own and she's just gonna support that. Yeah. And I always found that to be really sobering because there was from like, you know, from the angle that I could see, there's like very little like, you know, micromanagement just allowed you and you could go out and, you know, make all those decisions on your own, whether they were going to be good or bad, which is kind of opposite to how, you know, like the first, you know, maybe 18 years oh, of your for life sure. were. But it never hindered you from having the tools to be able to make proper decisions later on. Yeah. You know, so, you know, where, you know, your parents might have been strict for these first, you know, years when you really needed that structure in your life. It actually seems like it really helped you be able to make these great decisions, you know, later on because, you know, you're galvanting around the world playing sports, something that we all just wish we could have done. Yeah. And, you know, you've gone to Sweden, injury, come back, you know, Calgary, come back, then boom, like out to Sweden again. And it's like, like, what does all this mean to you? Like, is it just, is it shocking sometimes, you know, like everything that you've been through and where you're at and where you're going with it all? Yeah, I, I would say shocking is a good word just because I... I always wanted it, I, and I always wanted to work towards it, and then it's awesome being able to actually do it. Whereas you always, because people, I feel like a lot of times get caught up in the uh, dream boards or whatever they are, is that people, like, they dream about it and they think about it all the time, but they just don't ever actually pursue it. Whereas, I was like, you know what, no, like, I really want to pursue this. And then even post-injury, I was kind of like, oh, well, hopefully it'll work out again, but I'm now... 24 with a knee problem so that's typically not ideal but then the fact that I was given not one but two more opportunities Calgary gave me an opportunity as well as Sweden so it was awesome that to even know that my name alone got me opportunities which was a pretty cool feeling just because typically like you can smile about that you don't have to hide that one like like your name you know being like you know internationally known that just pulls you into these places like that that you should be super proud of that that's that's 25 years of busting your ass paying off yeah so but yeah so that was that's awesome and that has been something that has been really rewarding and i'm very grateful for it so i yeah i love it i Love that I get to go play soccer. I think I'm actually leaving in a week and a half now to go play in Sweden again. So pretty pumped about that. We're just kind of sorting out uh, the logistics of it right now and then um, sign some papers and off I go. So what, what's it like when you go over there? Because like the first experience, you know, the wheels kind of came off the bus and, you know, I wanted to kind of loop back around it too. But, you know, when you go back now or even like the first time, like what was it like stepping on the field, you know, being in a different country, just hearing those crowds roar somewhere else, just know you're just geographically in it halfway across the world like playing. Like, is it still the same as the first time? Like what's different? Like what's that whole experience like? It's so I honestly, I wish, um, you could bottle and sell it and make millions <laughs> yeah, for, all the people, there we go. Yeah, for all the people like me who are just chomping at the bit to yeah. wish that I was that person like you. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. Okay. Oh, sorry. Goal number one. Yes. Goal number two is I for sure had two fully different experiences. The first time when I went at injury aside, first time I went versus second time I went first time I went, I had a, um, our club was 
uh, very well known. They had, um, we had a spa on site. So like our, we had our field, it was the number one grass field or number two grass field in Sweden. Um, it has a restaurant on site. It has a spa on site. You're in a clubhouse. So obviously coming from UFB there, we don't even have our own field, let alone any of those kind of resources. So that was unreal to see that. And then, um, and then I was living on my own because the team got me an apartment for my first year. Whereas flash forward to my second year, still similar, um, similar environment in the sense of like we were in one of the biggest stadiums. Uh, I'm in Stockholm this time as opposed to Orebro the first time. Um, size wise, well, Stockholm was Vancouver basically. I think it was just rated the number one city in the world um, for this uh, for 2019. But and Orebro was similar to maybe like a Surrey, like in size, like it, um, both are great cities, but, um, so I was lucky to be in two of the major cities in Sweden. They are two of the biggest. Um, and then, but for the second time I was living with the, one of the board members, him and his wife, and they have, they live in a mansion. So I was living in that, whereas I'm torn because I feel like I would have preferred that to be my first experience because I was around people. If I wanted to come upstairs and talk with them, I could. If I didn't, I could stay down in the basement suite for where I was. And so, which was great. Whereas the first year that I went, I was in a, an apartment, which is fine, but I was by myself. So then I didn't really get that interaction all the time of being able to like go and talk to the parents or just kind of, and I think that might have been the fact that I typically use that at home as well, that I have my parents, if I want to go to them, I can go chat with them. But whereas, I didn't have that my first year, so it was a very blunt uh, change because I'm going over to the other side of the world by myself, living by myself, whereas second time I got to be eased into it. So I was in a great environment. I had uh, people that I could come talk to, all of the girls, the international girls. We were all within five minutes of walking distance to each other, so that That's was fun. Awesome. Yeah, it was wonderful. Yeah. Um, so I feel like that would have been a nice... Um, a nice in-between um, so that would have been a better first experience either way it was a great second experience because I was post-injury anyways but it would have been an easier way to ease into it as opposed to just being thrown out by myself as opposed to having the two parents that were there so yeah, yeah and those kind of things they carry a lot of weight too. just having yes. like that overall layer of comfort so that you're not trying to emotionally conquer you know multiple different battles all yeah. at one time and then you can authentically just play soccer yes exactly so so what's it going to like this time you go over? Like what, what are the options that are on the table? So I actually might be going over with one of my best friends. Um, they're just sorting that out right now. If they can get us a, like they're sorting out if they, where we're going to live. Um, like you both been in the same team? Yes. That's crazy. I know. So That's we are pretty so awesome. excited. Yes. Um, we just, we haven't gotten our hopes fully up because we're optimistic and we told the team, we're like, honestly, you're not like, you don't get it if you didn't take us because um, I play center back or left back and she plays left back. Um, so then you will have two people that are very connected in the sense of we've been playing since university together. And then, um, so yeah, they're just, the team is just trying to sort out where we're going to, like where we would live and then we'll decide. Is that the only hurdle? Yeah. Yeah. Wow, so they're just, yeah, they're just awesome. deciding kind of where, yeah, where they want to put us. And then once they have that sorted, then we'll head over from what I understand. So, but yeah, we're pretty excited about that. Cause if not, then we'll both go to separate teams, but it looks very promising for the time being. Um, so we're excited about that because that'll, that has always been a, 
super exciting um, aspects that we could play together. And because she was there last year, she didn't come the first year I went, but she came the second year. Um, and so, but she was up north in Sweden and I was in Stockholm. So we were about, I think it's like an hour flight um, away, but that's also, I don't know, maybe a 12 hour train ride. So we didn't see each other. Really yeah, basically because, like here to Calgary. Right? Exactly. Yeah. So it just, it doesn't make sense to be going up there all the time or to be her to be coming down. Um, so yeah, this will, we're really hoping this works out. Um, but yeah, cause then we can play together and go light up Sweden. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, That's super yeah. cool. So, um, when you're there, how long are you going to be there for? Like what, what does that typically look like when you go over? So season runs from April until October. Um, I, we'd be there the entire time. July, we typically get about three weeks off. So I want to do some traveling still. And I know a couple of my friends from, <laughs> my friends are great. They are all like, I think I have six of them that are for sure coming out this year. Um, and I think my mom might actually come out as well. Um, so we're going to go do some traveling, uh, in the month of July, just cause that's the only time I'm actually allowed to leave um, Stockholm, well, Sweden, let alone Stockholm, um, just because I have to get special permission to leave if I want to go away for a couple days. Um, but yeah, so we want to do Croatia and then maybe Italy and France. So that's super cool. Yeah. And then, how's everything all this on your relationship? Because you and your boyfriend have been together for quite a long time now. Yeah, right? we have uh, five years. Yeah. Yeah. How is that relationship wise? Um, honestly, it's been really good in the sense of technically this will be the first year that it actually that I'm there for the entire season because my first year obviously I got hurt so I only stayed till August and he came out in July of that year so then I was really only gone from March until August and then he was there for three weeks anyways and then last year I was in Calgary he came out to Calgary come see me and then um, then I was in Sweden for three months so that wasn't too bad either and then once again though he's a teacher so he also gets all of summer off so I even know this year like him and his brother are gonna come they're gonna go do a soccer road trip and then they'll come see me as well so it's been pretty good That's we're both super cool yeah awesome so we're both pretty laid back for the most part um and we both know like he knew going into this that this is what I wanted and so he's been really supportive he and he's not one of the He's not someone to make me feel bad or be jealous or any of that. Like he is very positive and super excited that this is an opportunity I'm being given. And cause I know he, he also played soccer. He played for university as the captain. Um, he did his knee as well. And so for him, he was on the flip side of it where when he came back, he wasn't necessarily where he was before. And that does happen with knee injuries is that you want to be where you were before, but sometimes it just, you can't hit it. Whereas that was kind of something that he said happened to him is that he wasn't at the level anymore that he was previously at. So he did play uh, semi-pro. He played PDL when he was younger, uh, pre-injury. And then, but this is something he would die for. So he fully respects it and understands it. So. And that, and that's awesome. Again, that's being with somebody, you know, the right person, yes. right? Because, 100%. you know, it's like that, like it's just, I would, I've been so excited to have you in to be able to talk to this because it's just like, I just want to live through you. And there's just a lot of us, like that's why I say, you bottle it and sell it for millions, right? Yeah. Because like, this is something that we, we all wish we would have had, yeah. you know, like, and it's, and you're living it and getting a lot of opportunities and it's just, I'm, you know, cause I know you too, but I'm just yeah. so happy for you. And it's nice Thank that, you know, you and your boyfriend look at it very much that, that same way. So, um, like, could this be the last year? Like, what, what is it? 
I'm hoping to do two more years. Um, unfortunately, once again, the knee is a bit of a problem. Um, my play has not gone down or anything, but my knee itself has gone down, unfortunately. So that is something that I do have to keep in consideration. Um, I probably will need a second, sur oh, third surgery, um, but I'm hoping to play two more seasons. And then obviously if I could play longer, play longer, but I would be content if I play two more and then where to move on and do my physio um, school. But yeah. yeah, so. Are you gonna stay local BC for school? Or are you thinking about? That one I'm torn on. I don't think about it too, too much because I still, I don't wanna get too wrapped up because I don't know what I'm doing out with soccer. So, um, but I would either do UBC or I would do Australia. Yeah. So I'm either going back on the other side of the world or <laughs> staying here. Well, yeah. and you know, like you're young with lots of opportunities, right? So you yeah. might as well, if Australia's in the cards or anywhere else, you know, like BC's been home for so long yeah. and you know, you're just go get the life experience. And that's the thing. And that's, and that was the biggest thing too, is especially because um, I even like I serve at Cactus Club so I talk a lot with different people every single day and so they always want to talk about soccer and everything I'm like this is the one thing I can't do again like I can't um, I can travel whenever I want I can go to school whenever I want I but my knee's only going to hold out for so long so soccer I want to go do that if I want to go away for school like this is the time to do it now I don't I typically wouldn't do it when I'm older in my career so yeah, and you know, it's so hard for people to understand, you know, too, until you're in that position. And I know I talked about this with your mom where it's like the, you know, play it till you break it. Yeah. You know, and it's just like when you, the shelf life is so short. Yes. Oh, you know? 100%. And like, like you said, you can travel, you can live other places, you can do all these things, you can go to school anywhere. But the one thing is like, you just, you can't play soccer. No. No, exactly. Anyway, even if you're healthy, you just, you'll get to a point where you just won't play at that oh, level anymore. Right? Exactly. So. Yeah. And so I, that's why, yeah, I want to ride this out for as long as possible. And then, um, and then I want to go play for a state United premier team and win some national titles and then go from there. Absolutely. Yeah. Sounds awesome. Well, that's, that's a, a great place. We could probably wrap this one up there. And, um, just, I really thank you for coming in and, and sharing the story and just, you know, for the, what I want people to really take away from it is just, you know, like the life experience, the, the positive outlook on it, like never being down depressed is really the, what athletics and the life that Tristan has lived, you know, up until this point is just how it's really set her up to be able to deal with all of these, you know, like moving away, knee injuries, you know, Calgary, Sweden, you know, like just all these different options and how she's conquered them. And as you can tell by the sound of her voice, when she's explained to it, like nothing has gotten her way. <laughs> So thank you so much. I appreciate all no of problem. that. And yeah. thank you for coming in, Tristan. Have a wonderful day. Yes, you too.